Are you running the virtual United Airlines NYC half? Get your New York City gear for anywhere. Show your NYC spirit and run United in official New Balance gear. Shop the United Airlines NYC half collection at newbalance.com. Available for domestic purchases only within the United States. Hi, and welcome to the second episode of Season 2 of Habitual Routine. I'm Coach Anique Lamar. And I'm Coach Roberto Manje. And I'm Shaquana Bell. Roberto, Shaquana, how are you both doing? Yeah, doing well. Still navigating winter. That seems to not want to end. But yeah, these uh, podcasts are helping me through it. How about you, Shaquana? I've been doing good. I mean, we we just came off the weekend. It was pretty dreary. The weather was not very encouraging for outdoor activity. So I had one of my favorite weekends, onesie weekend. So I sat in the house. I finished my book, which I thought was going to take longer to finish, but it didn't. And now I'm ready here to record our webinar. What? Not a <laughs> webinar. A, a webinar? <laughs> well, well, TED Talk. This TED Talk. Uh, this makes me think, uh, Roberto, I know you've got a lot of onesies in your life as an active dad, but do you have a, uh, a, a man-sized onesie? No, um, I don't even know what size I would wear. I, I know with my kids, there's like three T and five T, so I, I assume I'd be a thirty-eight T, which just seems like ginormous. Well, I will, I will definitely get you a thirty-eight T. <laughs> yeah, uh, <sounds> yeah. <laughs> in the near future. Sounds about right. Well, so my better. birthday actually is less than a week away, so maybe get a thirty-nine T if, if there's a. I don't anticipate growing in the next week, but you never just know. Keeping with the tradition of the T's. Well, room to grow. Um, but I'm with I'm with uh, I'm both with with both of you, right? I'm I'm having like the winter doldrums, and I've been tapping into inspirational books and all sorts of media to stay present and like excited to you know uh, run and just be active. And so you know, my hope today is that this podcast fills that role for some of our runners out there, uh, because this month we are celebrating Women's History Month, and we're going to be discussing two experiences of running as a woman. So from a training perspective in our house segment, we're talking about something I've been dying to talk about for such a long time on this show. And that is the role of the menstruation cycle in sports performance. I get to say the word period a lot. And we bring in the incredible expert, Dr. Ellen Casey from the Hospital for Special Surgery to deep dive into the science of period tracking. And in our why segment, I chat with Coach Asteria Howard. Coach Asteria has been active in a variety of sports since her childhood in Bolivia. In addition to running on both the Bolivian and Venezuelan national teams, she worked for many years as a physical education teacher. Now, we're so fortunate to have Asteria at New York Roadrunners, passing on her experience and knowledge by coaching Team for Kids and our Striders program. All right, now let's talk how. So for our how segment, we are discussing periods. And if the word period or the idea of periods makes you uncomfortable, uh, there's a reason why. And that's because nobody talks about this topic. But we invite you to come listen with us and learn with us because periods are science and history in action. Exactly. And speaking about historical lens, did you know women's running is still a relatively young sport? By this, I mean that 
women only got access to racing the Olympic marathon in 1984. For a long time, the language around women's distance running was that doing it would make women sterile. They were too fragile for it. Uh, their uterus would fall out, I, you know, utterly ridiculous things like that. Yeah. And, you know, this all sort of came to a head in the 1928 Amsterdam Olympics. And this is the first time that women were allowed to run the 800 meter distance, which two laps around a track, it's a half mile distance. Uh, and Lena Radke, this German, she won the race in a world record, two minutes and 16 seconds. She crosses the finish line and she does what every 800 meter runner does, which she looks wrecked, right? The men looked exhausted. The women looked exhausted. But the International Olympic Committee looked at these women and they decided that it was too dangerous for them to do this race until the 1960 Rome Olympics. And so until 1960, women didn't race anything longer than half a mile. This also plays out in science from a scientific lens. Uh, menstruation is one of the most understudied and misunderstood bio biological phenomena as it relates to sports performance. Speaking of sports performance, today we've brought in an expert to help us unpack this topic from a scientific lens, and that is Dr. Casey. Dr. Ellen Casey is an associate attending physiatrist in the Department of Physiatry at the Women's Sports Center at the Hospital for Special Surgery. She's also a former gymnast, and Dr. Casey is USA Gymnastics Women's National Team's physician. So let's chat with Dr. Casey. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Casey. It's so nice to be here. Thank you. Yeah, we are thrilled to have you, to have an expert on site. So let's get right to it. Dr. Casey, uh, before we get into this role of the menstrual cycle and sports performance, which is our discussion today, why is discussing periods so taboo in sports? You know, on one hand, when I think of this question, I think, oh, is it still taboo? But I think you're right. It probably is. And there's many factors, I think, that lead to uh, athletes and coaches and uh, participants feeling like it's taboo. So I think some of the history of thinking about as you went into, you know, women's physiology and sports for so long, there have been thoughts that women can't run a certain distance or they can't ski jump or they can't do, you know, a super demanding event because people would say there isn't enough blood flow to the uterus and then they wouldn't be able to have babies or their uterus would fall out when they landed a ski jump or some of these things that we now think are crazy. But that's really what was was said for so long. And so I think still female athletes have a reluctance to discuss anything related to the uterus or their reproductive cycle because we don't want to call attention to you know, the fact that, the, you know, we're women and this has been used as an excuse for us not to have opportunities in sports. So I think that might be one feature. And then, um, you know, I don't think female athletes want to use it as an excuse. So if, if an athlete ever says into the media, I didn't play well today because I had my period, that kind of explodes, uh, you know, into a reason for, you know, the lack of performance or an excuse. So people, I think, often want to avoid that. And then maybe thirdly, there's just a lack of information and then misinformation about the menstrual cycle um, within sports. Things like it's normal for female athletes to stop getting their periods, which is not true, or that the symptoms or the process of having a period can be embarrassing. You know, so there's so much lack of information and misunderstanding that lead to this being an ongoing taboo topic. 
Dr. Casey, thanks again for uh, joining us. Uh, and you know, my next question is about period tracking, and it's something that I find quite interesting, both as a coach and as a father of young girls. And you know, I want to continue to educate myself that way I could be better armed to you know meet their needs, answer their questions in in the years to come. So, what is period tracking? So period tracking is the concept of um, monitoring the length and some of the features of the menstrual cycle. So before we maybe get into the specifics of the tracking, it's probably worth just a review to make sure we're all on the same page about the menstrual cycle. So really what the cycle is, is a you know recurring pattern of hormonal fluctuations, most notably estrogen and progesterone, across a 21 to 35 day pattern. We say it's a 28 day cycle, but there really is variability. So anything within 21 to 35 days is pretty normal. And then the menstrual cycle, so that pattern is broken up into three main phases. The first phase begins with the first day of bleeding or menses. And at that time, both estrogen and progesterone are low. And then over the next 14 days, there's this rise in estrogen right before ovulation, which is the, you know, the second phase of the menstrual cycle. So at that point, right before ovulation, you have this high estrogen and low progesterone, then ovulation occurs. And then that's a really short phase. It might, you know, be a couple of hours or a day or two. And then the luteal phase is the third portion of the menstrual cycle after ovulation estrogen has dropped down a little bit and then both estrogen and progesterone peak kind of at the end of that luteal phase when the hormones drop down again the next menstrual cycle starts and again that's marked with the few days of bleeding so um when you think about tracking a menstrual cycle what what somebody would do would be either use a calendar or you know jot it down in their phone or an app to mark the first day of bleeding and then the subsequent day of bleeding and that the days in between that would give you an idea of how long your menstrual cycle is and then if you do that over the course of months to years even you can get a sense of how um, consistent that time frame is and whether or not you fall within the norms or you're either too short or too long And so what can runners learn from putting pen to paper and really tracking their periods? And why should runners care about this, right? We were talking about the lack of information, the sort of uh, looking away from the period or or pretending it doesn't have an impact on sports performance. Why should runners put their attention on period tracking? So the best reason for runners to track their periods um, is that, um, as, as I'm sure many of your listeners know, um, female runners and males too, but more commonly females can, um, develop something called the female athlete triad or relative energy deficiency in sport. And the triad portion of that is the relationship between nutrition, um, and fueling, um, menstrual cycle and the regularity of the menstrual cycle and stress fractures. And so, Female runners um, are at risk of developing the triad because they're training so much and oftentimes they may not even, you know, be aware of how much fueling and nutrition that they need. And so if a female runner tracks her menstrual cycle and sees that it's falling in this 21 to 35 day 
um, time frame, month after month, then that gives the female runner an idea that she is fueling and um, you know eating adequate calories to support her training as well as bodily functions. And um, if it's if it's getting longer than that um, you know window, so more than thirty eight days, or somebody's not having a period for several months then that gives them an indication that, that it's likely that they are not fueling adequately and may need to address their, adjust excuse me, their nutrition or their recovery or their training. Um, so the, the period actually functions as a marker of adequate fueling and recovery. And actually in that way, I think female runners have an advantage over male runners because males can develop you know, red S, but they don't have a menstrual cycle to track. Whereas in this case, it's quite advantageous that female athletes can track this because, you know, this is a pretty easy thing to, to monitor and it gives female athletes reassurance about their nutrition and fueling. And I just have a follow-up sort of question as well. Um, and it's, it's the idea that if you start tracking your symptoms, right? So you're actually thinking about how you're feeling, you start to actually recognize these hormonal waves as they're occurring. And you might realize that they're not uh, connected to sort of preconceived notions about how periods. And so, so I just want to ask, I, I think that I have this right, but isn't it true that one of the lowest hormonal phases of your cycle could be when you have your menses during the actual bleeding period? Yeah, that is actually true. And so it's interesting when you start to look at, you know, think about what's happening with the hormones and what's happening with symptoms. Um, and so that's, that is another reason um, to, for athletes to track their periods. Um, and some of the apps really allow you to enter symptoms like bloating, like cramping, like energy, um, you know, muscle soreness, those sorts of things, because um, those types of symptoms, of course, can fluctuate across the menstrual cycle as well, but maybe not always in the way that we think of them. I mean, you know, you, if you, if this is, if you think it's related to the specific hormone, then you'd expect those symptoms to be high when those hormones are high. But that's why actually, uh, tracking it across multiple cycles can be helpful for women because the patterns need some time to sort of develop and, um, you know, and, and so every, every female is going to be pretty different in how the, the hormones um, are affecting symptoms and performance and, and all of those different things. So each person has to start to track if they're interested in trying to correlate symptoms with performance. Yeah. And uh, Dr. Casey, uh, you were interviewed by uh, Outside Magazine last September. And in it, in the article, you said, um, you know, we could view menstruation and this effects and say, oh, that sucks or that's fascinating. And you're clearly on the side of, oh, that's fascinating. So, you know, just if you could tell our viewers um, what's so fascinating, fascinating about all of this. Yeah, it's, uh, thanks for bringing that quote up. I kind of cringe when I read that only because I probably shouldn't have used the word sucks in a periodical. But, you know, I get, the point being, you can either, you know, feel frustrated by it or sort of embrace the fact that, um, you know, as a female athlete, it is a reality that these hormones are going to fluctuate. Um, and as much as I think historically we have, uh, all of us have regarded that as a detriment, um, I do believe, and the science would suggest and is building, that if we understand the hormonal fluctuations better and how those relate to non-reproductive processes, then uh, perhaps we can target our training and our performance um, you know, to use some of these fluctuations to our advantage. 
And so the reason it's fascinating to me, at least, is because, um, you know, we think of estrogen and progesterone as reproductive hormones, which they are. But um, it may surprise you to note that there are receptors for those hormones and some others that, that change across the menstrual cycle in our um, bones, in our cartilage, in our muscles, in our tendons, in our ligaments, and in our brain. And so not only, um, you know, does, does uh, features of our reproductive cycle change, but um, we know from, you know, decent science that there can be changes in how stiff the ligaments are, um, the way muscles and tendons might respond to strength training at certain points in the cycle, the way our um, motor control patterns are planned, you know, so sort of the mechanics of how we're running. Um, and we don't have all of the answers yet, but it may be that tailoring our training um, to certain time points in the cycle may give us benefits from, you know, strength training at a certain time or working on endurance at a different point. Um, so that again, we're, we're harnessing these hormones for uh, performance and um, enhancement rather than just trying to ignore them or, um, you know, pretend it's not happening. I mean, as a past elite athlete uh, who had a period, this is so fascinating because you spend your whole career seeking um, how to improve uh, performance, right? In, in biological ways, how do you strengthen your cardiovascular and your aerobic system? How do you strengthen your ability to uh, be powerful and manage load? And this is just really an untapped area. I mean, it is. it is like, I keep thinking of Star Trek. It's like, to go where no one's gone before. Like, you know, this is really the next um, sort of horizon uh, in training. Uh, switching to the science, what does the science say, you know, what is the sort of field of research now? And is it in its infancy? Is it just heating up? And, and where do you see it going down the line? I think as, uh, you know, as far as the science is concerned, it's probably in its like you know, toddlerhood, you know, phase maybe. Um, it's not that no one is doing this research. In fact, across the, you know, the globe, there are some people that are really delving into this area and, and creating some foundational work to build off of. Yeah. And so obviously today you're a doctor, a sports, uh, you know, medicine physician, and in your prior life, you're a competitive gymnast. So I guess this question is kind of looking back as you are today. What do you wish you knew about periods um, back in the day when you were competing as a gymnast? Yeah, so I think gymnasts and runners are very similar in the regard of um, this belief and idea within our both sporting worlds that it's very normal and almost expected for the female gymnast and the female runner to have um, disturbances in the menstrual cycle. And, and most often that means just not getting a menstrual cycle uh, or period. And I, I will speak for the gymnastics community because I, I think I've heard more from that group, but there are coaches who tell their athletes, if you're getting a period, um, it means you're not training hard enough. And so I wish I would have known um, that that is incorrect. It is common for female runners and gymnasts to not have a period, but that is not normal. And it signifies that the athlete is not getting adequate fueling or recovery. And in my, you know, personal case, uh, you know, I, I was one of those people that got a stress fracture in that context, context that took certainly longer to heal than it should have. Um, so, you know, I certainly wish I had heard about this relationship between 
um, menstrual cycles and bone health and nutrition to, you know, be aware of that and to track it. Um, so that's probably paramount to, you know, what I wished I would have known. Dr. Casey, thank you so much for joining us today, celebrating Women's History Month and uh, really showing us where the future of women's sports performance is going. My pleasure. Thanks for talking about this topic, and hopefully it's less taboo for, for some of us now. Tap into the wisdom of top marathoners, Shalane Flanagan, Dina Castor, and Steph Bruce during an exclusive two-part conversation brought to you by MasterCard. The three elite athletes got together virtually to share tips that recreational runners of all ages and abilities can use to take their training to the next level, including motivation during virtual races and kicking off 2021 with goal-setting tips. Head over to Priceless.com and search New York Roadrunners to learn more. Again, head over to Priceless.com and search New York Roadrunners to learn more and start something priceless with MasterCard exclusively for MasterCard cardholders. Terms and conditions apply. All right. So, Coach Asteria, thank you for being here. Thank you, you. Thank you, you guys, for inviting me. I'm so happy, honestly. I'm feeling like uh, up high on the sky. <laughs> yeah, I'm, re I'm really excited for this conversation. And we're, we're happy to have you share your running experience with us for Women's History Month and to help us understand how women's running has grown and changed over the years through your story. To start, why did you start running? Well, I started running, I can say you, I'm probably inside my mom's belly. <laughs> so I was a troublemaker. And growing up always, you know, I was the fourth in the family. And I used to follow my big brothers. All of us, we were six, three girls and three boys. And all of us, we were so sportsman people, kids on the neighborhood. And my father, it was a good soccer player in my country. And I think we got it, everything on the jeans from my dad. And uh, we used to play all the sports. But since I remember, I used to love to Oh, jump to do the jump rope. I never had the dolls. My my doll for me it was the jump rope. By then it was not jump rope. Do you imagine? We used to pull it the branches of the tree and we used to tie it up two branches and with that we used to jump. Oh, no, wow. by them in my country. And then it it started to come in the jump ropes when I was already leaving the elementary school, and then I was. Early age, I was playing basketball, volleyball, and soccer. All the games, all the sports on, uh, on group. And uh, sometimes we used to win, sometimes we used to lose. And I never liked it to lose the game. And I used to get so upset. I used to get so sad. It was something natural on me. And uh, always I used to say, I don't wanna how I can do, how we can win all the time. I think it was on me, on my blood. I don't know. It was just the point to win, win, win. And then and when I was the last year in high school, a coach came to our class. I was in private school. And he came, he says, you guys, uh, we're going to go to the basketball court. I'm going to make the team. But I never pay attention to the, to, the, to the guy by then. 
and no idea he was an, a marathon runner. He was a PE teacher, but he wanted to, to create the track and field team in my country, in my city. And uh, we went there and uh, I never had uh, running shoes by then. My parents, they couldn't afford to buy. And uh, he put it by hits, we call hits here, on the basketball court to run under the one basket and to the other, next one, right? And uh, when it was my group and we started and I was on the half of the basketball court and my shoes came out. And I went back, picked up my shoes, put it on, and by then, everybody won't beat me. When I got at the finish line, I was the last girl. And we went back to the class and the, the teacher put the names on the, on the board. And I haven't seen my name. And I said, excuse me, why my name is not on the list? And he said, because you didn't want. You were the last runner on the basketball court. And then I look at him and I said, but you know what? I'm the fastest in the class. I can beat everyone, not only in the class, I can beat everyone in the school. If you wanna try, let's go, we wanna try. I was so very humble by them, but something it was pushing me to, to tell him that I was good. And no idea, no idea by then. And uh, he said, no, sadly, you, you never make that thing. But uh, this group is gonna go to the city. I was living in, a, in a, a small town. And plus I never went to the city. Always I, I was living in the small town. And I told my father, I said that, you know, the, uh, he came a coach and a PE teacher and he did the, the team, but I'm not on the team. And my dad says, no worries. Just you do what you're doing and actually go, go for running with, with a dog. We have a dog by then, very nice dog. It was, uh, it was trained the dog. He says, tell the dog to help you on the running. You want to improve on the day of the race, you want to go and no problem, you want to do it. And each time I used to see the coach, I used to tell him, Anna, Come on, Anna, can you put me on the list? And he never wanted, never won. And I was actually suffering. And then it was coming close the day of the meet. And I tell my dad, I said, daddy, he don't wanna put me on the team, what I should do? And my dad says, no worries. And uh, I'm gonna show you how to get it a track. And he explained me the day before, he said, you're gonna take the bus and you're gonna get out in a, in a bridge. From there, you're gonna follow the towels. You know the towels from the lights, from the soccer field or from the track. And you're gonna see that and you're gonna follow that and there is the track. And I did that. I went, I got it a track, but I felt it like I walked like hours. <laughs> when I got it there, I said, I'm tired. How am I gonna, I'm gonna run? And I ran into the, the stadium. And I saw the, the track and I saw a lot of girls running. And then I said, how I can get it to the track? But because I was on the bleachers. And I said, how I can get it over there? And I standing there, I start to uh, waving my arm, calling the classmates who's they made a team. And one of them, she said, oh, Asteria, but you wanna run? I said, yes, I wanna run. 
and uh, call that teacher if he can help me. And uh, she went and she called that teacher and, uh, and he came and he said to me, oh no, I know you, you don't gonna do anything. No worries, just stay there. I said, I wanna run, please, I wanna run. I was yelling from the, from the bleachers to the track. And the guy, the official who was giving the star, it was a, a German guy. And uh, he looked at me with a very bad Spanish. He says, do you wanna run? I say, yes. And he said, come on, come over here. I'm gonna wait for you. And he waited, it was the last hit with the girls. Say, we're gonna wait for you because there is one lane empty. It was one lane empty. The track, it was dirt track, no synthetic track. Mm-hmm. And I ran and I couldn't get the track because no, no way to find the, the door to the track. What I did is jump over the fence, <laughs> I jumped to the track and I took it off my skirt and I took puller off my shoes and I ran to the, to the track barefoot. And he looked at me, the, the official, he says, you don't have running shoes? I said, no. And then he pointed out one runner, he has, she has uh, spikes. And he says, you don't have those kind of shoes? I said, no, I don't have. He says, okay. And uh, I saw how they were making the little holes with the spikes. And I was doing with my toes, I made the holes and I just looking at them, imitating, copying. And I said, I'm gonna do all what they do. And when the gun went off, I started running. And on the half of the course, I realized I was in the front and I won the hit. When I passed the finish line, I was so happy. Then the coach realized that and he came as a crazy and he said, I never knew you can run. And I said, so proud. I said, I told you, but you never <laughs> pay me attention. I can run. And he said to me, now you have to run with the finishers of every heat. And, and then if you win that, you're gonna go to the finals. I said, I'm gonna go. I went so, so sure I'm gonna go to the finals. I said, you're gonna see, I'm gonna go. And he says, okay. And then uh, she said, and you have to go right now. I said, no problem. I went and I ran with the other girls. We were, it was uh, six lines. And uh, I was one of them. And I, we ran and I won again. It was the second time. And the guy said to me, you are not afraid? I said, no, I know I can win. You're gonna see, we're gonna win, teacher. Just trust on me. And he looked at me, he says, I think you are so crazy. No, 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 no. I'm good. I'm good. I was so positive. <laughs> we went to the finals and I won. I was extremely happy. And they took me pictures and uh, we went back. All the, the, the teammates from the school, they were so happy because I was the only one who got medals on the team. And the teacher also, he says, you have a good talent, Asteria, we have to work with you. I said, okay. And the next day in the morning, and uh, my dad um, uh, came to, to the room. I said, Asteria, Asteria, wake up. But I was tired. And he said, what happened, daddy? Look at the newspaper. One of his friends early in the morning brought the newspaper and he told my dad, look at your daughter. She won medals, your daughter is a champion. And my daddy was so happy. And when I saw my picture, and it was so funny because they wrote a titles of the, 
of my picture. I used to have a long braids and uh, I was on the picture without shoes. And the translation from Spanish to English, it was saying an, uh, a town girl with a two braids and barefoot became a national champion. It was a surprise in the city. There I realized that running is gonna make me feel so positive. I don't have to get sad. I don't have to be upset when I was playing uh, volleyball, basketball, or soccer. And then I decided, I said, running is for me because if I'm gonna lose, it's my fault. If I'm gonna win, it's on me also. So I know you talked about um, you came in last in your first race when you were on the basketball team and you, you, because you lost your shoe and went back for it. And, and then you didn't see your name on the list because they told you you didn't win, but you told your coach, I'm the fastest one on the team. How did you... How did you stay encouraged? Because a lot of kids, they come in last place and then they tell themselves, oh, I'm not good. I'm not fast. I'm not like the other kids. And then they give up. They don't want to do it. But instead, you told yourself, I don't care what you say. I know I'm good. I know I'm the fastest. And you proved yourself in that. How did you How did you, like, keep yourself encouraged and motivated to keep going so young? Yeah, you know, I think it was natural on me because, uh, uh, like I told you, I started to learn to play basketball, volleyball, early age, right? And I used to look at it when when my big sister used to do a basket. Everybody used to come and used to tell her, good job, you did a good, you did a basket. And I think that I was receiving for me. And when I used to go, I used to try all my best. And you know what is so so interesting that by then not so many not so many girls we used to play basketball, but I used to enjoy playing with with the guys. I I was so competitive. I think that it was born on me, and uh, everything they used to tell me even soccer. You know, by then no girls we used to play soccer. They used to tell me, oh, soccer is only for boys. I used to say, but I bet you I can beat you running and I can get the ball and I can make a goal. Yeah. Probably, you know, I think, and now after I went to college, I, I took it and um, be teacher. And I used to read a lot of psychology, physiology, anatomy, all those things. I realize now at this age, that on a psychologically, I grew up very early. And when the people is gonna tell me, oh, you cannot do it, I'm gonna work on that and I'm gonna prove I can do it. Yeah. And when he said to me, oh, you came the last, you are no good. That was his words, you are no good. We need good runners for the school because I, is, this is the representation of the school. And I told him, I said, I can show you that I'm good. But it was, I never hear nobody. By then, we were so mentally, we were so oh, 
um, in Michigan. We were, I had the mentality as a little girl. And, uh, but for sports, I was so mature. I always, I wanted to win. So you went from being told you're no good to a multi-time national champion in Bolivia, and you ran on the Venezuelan national team. What was your experience like running at a high performance level when women's running was still growing? You know, it was an, um, it was a little scary for me because in my country, I became a national champion, right? And everybody used to see me and uh, used to say, oh, Astaria, you are so good. And that used to be a good food for me. When I decided to go to Venezuela, Actually, you know why I decided to go? Because in my country, we do, in Latin countries, we have like uh, the Olympics. We have uh, games, all the Latin countries, which we were uh, freedom by Simon Bolivar. And we got together and I was the favorite runner from my country to defend my titles. I was national champion in Bolivia. And everybody was saying to me, Asteria, you're going to be good. We have the altitude. You eat so good. Our food is good. You're going to have the people cheering on you. Are ah, you going to get it gone? And I said, yeah. But then I was in, in college. <clears throat> it was tough. But I never had a coach who can and help me very close. Yeah. And I used to do looking what the other runners they were doing. That's I was doing, but it was no uh, specific uh, training. I never had uh, my coach, which by then I was running 100 meters. I was doing the long jump and I was running 100 meters hurling. I was hurling also, and, uh, but I never had the technique for hurling and somebody who can say, do this, do that. I was doing myself, the training. When we got it, the... Uh, the meets we do um, before we start the games, I was, I didn't lose, I didn't want no, no kid. I lost it, everything. And that, it was killing me. I was emotionally, psychologically so down. And I said, everybody put it, everything on me and I couldn't make the team. I'm not gonna compete on the games. What I'm gonna do? And the people they said, Asteria, and uh, you're gonna be part of the committee, the Bolivarian Games Committee. And uh, you're gonna be in all the activities, especially track. And uh, and then no worries, no worries, you're gonna have a head. But I was thinking of my age, even though and now 21, 22 is very young. But in Latin countries, when you finish college and you have 21, 22, they think you are old for any sports. They say, oh, you're too old. You cannot do anything. Yeah. And that, it was killing me. And uh, I saw during the games, Venezuela, it was getting all the medals, gold, gold, gold. I said, mm, what I'm gonna do is, I'm gonna go to visit Venezuela. I wanna find out what they do in Venezuela to become stars. And then I can come back and I can coach with that mentality because I, I'm old. I'm not going to be a runner anymore. 
And that is the reason, do you imagine I went to Venezuela without knowing nobody? Wow. And no people. I had the runners from Venezuela, but it was just, you know, it's when you go and you say, oh, I want to have your phone number and they're going to give it to you. But there is no that relationship like a friend, like, like you, I can say, oh, we were here, we were over there. And I can call you. Yes, call me. We're going to be in touch. No, I never had in touch with nobody, but I had numbers, phone numbers. And I told my parents and said, I'm going to go to Venezuela for one month. And my parents, they, they were not agree. They said, Asteria, no, please don't go. You don't, you don't have no idea what is to live in another country. But I'm going just to visit. I'm going to go. I'm going to meet friends. And, uh, and they were crying. They said, no, please don't go. You never went out of the city. And how you're going to go out of the country. You don't know what is over there. I said, no worries. I'm going to go. I took the transportation to the city. From there, I said, I have to call. And I called like a 10 phone numbers from runners. And nobody answered. Finally, I said, God, what I'm going to do alone? I'm not going to sleep on the street. My parents, they were crying. It was better to listen to my parents. But then I said, no, I'm not going back to Bolivia. I have to stay here. And I called to another number, and the, the, it was a coach. And he answered the phone. He said, you know what? I have a friend, going to call her, and I'm going to ask if she can take you in her home for a couple of days. I said, okay. And, I, and he said, call me in, in three hours. I called back, and the guy said, you know Yes, she said she's gonna help you. And that's the way I started in Venezuela. And but uh but I was not um into too much the the, the track because I, I think I wanted to stay more. And after a month and I decided to stay and I told them if they can help me to find a job, and they said we're gonna get it. But before that to make people know you. There is a race, 5K race, and you're gonna run in that race. Do you run long distance? I said, no, I never did it. Just 100 meters and the four by one. And he said, no worries, you're gonna do it because you have, you coming from a altitude, 5K is gonna be good for you. And he came that day and I ran the 5K, no idea. And after I, I he finished the, the 5K, and they called me as a winner of the 5K. No idea. And I said, but I don't think so. I win. Yes, you win. And they give me my trophy. And there, and they took me pictures. And the next day, I was again on the newspaper. And I said, oh, no. This is so good. I want to stay here. And I decided to stay in Venezuela. And I was for 19 years. But and I started to look for jobs. I got a job and I, I was away from track. I was not competing. I was just running. And then I got a job with a elementary school and uh, I started to look some girls to make my team. Little girls, six years old, eight years old. And I got in my team, eight kids. And I was coaching them all what I used to do in Bolivia. And I was doing with them on the on the grass, running on grass, playing on grass, everything. 
And when they started to competing, my little girls, they started to win it. And uh, I started to put more attention to the team and my, my team became national champion in little kids. They became national champion. I love that. You just, no matter what, you push through and you really made your dreams come true. You're one of the coaches at New York Road Runners. You coach the TFK runners and you also coach the Striders, who is our senior community. And I just have a final question. What advice would you give to women who want to start coaching? I think, well, they have to, first of all, they have to be emotionally so so big, so big, because to start coaching requires an uh, patience, yeah. and uh, require experience, mostly experience. We need to have experience. For me now, with all those years, and it's easy. I can see the person, and I can say, "You need this," and. We have to work definitely from heart. We have to be very honest with the person. If we see the person which is, um, you don't have the natural conditions for running, but still we can make champions to them because it's going to take time. We have to be honest with the person. They say it's going to take time. We're going to work and a lot of discipline too. But I don't mean discipline with the, you have to be tough. No, we have to have a perseverance. We have to do every single day. And we have to show the, the runners we're coaching that and it's our family. And always we wanted a good thing for our family. We have to learn to love. And that is the best way a new coach he has to learn. And also a new coach, he has to get it a lot of information from the coaches, experienced coaches. Yeah. And uh, so many coaches and they are very honest and they can help you. Especially myself, you know, I can tell you that always I said, I wanna give you what I got it from all those years and learning, and I don't wanna die, that is the translation for me. I don't wanna die with the music inside me. I wanted that music to be listened by the people. We have to be so creative, and we have to use a lot of psychology, and you have to use a lot of love, and also we have to be so truthful. You have to trust in what you have in your mind, and to put it on the mind of the other uh, of the runners that it should be. This was this was amazing. This was so good. Thank you, Coach Asteria, for joining me for this conversation. Thank you for inviting me. You're so inspiring. And I think the one thing that really stood out to me, well, that really it was the whole conversation, but when you said you have to coach with your heart. And I think that it's so important, especially in the work that we do here at New York Roadrunners, everything we do is for the people. And so if we do it from our heart, it'll it'll resonate with everybody and, and everybody will really appreciate and see that 
we're not doing it for us. We're doing it for you. And we're hoping that that is clear to everybody out there. Yes, that is true. When I go to the centers and when I tell them I'm going to go, no, Asteria, please. And, and the, the coordinators, they say, Asteria, we wish to have you every day because of that. That people really trust on you. They are interested. On myself, that is my view. I said, if I will help thousands and thousands of people, still, still I'm not gonna be so happy because I wish I can see all the world so conscious into the, the health. And health is to do exercise. It helps you. It's not totally, but it helps you. And that makes you big. That makes you big. All right, so let's get to the breakdown. So in season two, we are creating this opportunity for our hosts, including myself, to share their thoughts, uh, takeaways, and sort of big picture items that that we're getting out of these interviews, right? We want to do some of this synthesis in real time together. So to kick it off, Shaquana, what really resonated with you? What has been stuck in my head since my conversation with Asteria is how she encouraged herself. I think about kids today and how social media influences everything for them. They equate likes and views to success or acceptance. So they're only satisfied with themselves if other people are, even though some or even most of the people giving their opinions are strangers. But Asteria had an adult tell her she wasn't good enough and she refused to believe them. Now you have people who don't believe in themselves and Asteria is coaching them to the finish line they didn't see for themselves until they met her. What about you, Roberto? Yeah, I mean, honestly, both interviews were fantastic. So thank you again to Asteria and Dr. Casey. Uh, just so much useful information, firsthand accounts. Uh, but I guess if I had to pick one, which is a tough thing to do anyway, is the quote from Asteria where she said, I don't want to die with the music inside me. As a coach as a fellow coach that really resonated with me because obviously I, I understood the metaphors like I have this knowledge I have this experience and now I want to make sure that as she said other people can sing and dance and, and you know and obviously we're talking about running so she's a coach for TFK and Striders but just like somebody who loves to run in general and wants to kind of share the love of her running and that really resonates again with what we try to do here at New York Road Owners with our runners. Like we, we have all this knowledge and we're even doing it right now with, with a podcast and we want to make sure we, we share that love of running. We share that, that music, if you will. So that really uh, stuck out to me that, and of course, you know, just how incredibly highly and intrinsically motivated she was just really awesome interview. Yeah. I think that that was sort of a tangent for me, uh, coach Roberto, you know, both of our expert guests today, sort of debunk uh, this idea of narrative surrounding girls and women's sports, right? There's all these lies and misinformation that I was raised on, right? It was like, it was the the fuel that I was raised on. And it was that girls aren't naturally competitive. And it was that periods and women's unique physiology hinders them. And with Dr. Casey, you know, sharing how, you know, that, that week of your period is actually one of your low, lowest hormonal phases, uh, you know, through that out the window, it, you can perform almost at your optimum uh, during your period. And then with Coach Asteria talking about, you know, I, I don't think I've actually been around an athlete, including myself. I was a deeply competitive young girl. I don't think I've heard from somebody as naturally competitive 
as Coach Asteria, and it's such a gift as a coach, right? We see her na- her natural athletic ability. That's one part of the gift, but the other part is that competitive drive. And girls are so competitive. I mean, she just wouldn't stop, as you said, uh, Shaquana. She just would not take no for an answer. And so, you know, as we sort of our wrap our Women's History Month podcast, it's just you know asking ourselves, asking our listeners to really rethink these these stories and narratives we tell ourselves around women and girls' sports and really question them and listen to the experts like Dr. Casey and Coach Hysteria. Thank you to New Balance and MasterCard for supporting this episode. A huge thank you to Dr. Casey for sharing her expertise. Please, please, please subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts and share this episode with any runner who you think could learn something from today's episode. Thanks again to Coach Asteria for sharing her incredible experiences as an athlete. Join Asteria Live every Friday at 10 a.m. for a bilingual Striders at Home workout. NYRR Striders is a free walking and fitness program that offers physical activity and wellness resources for older adults looking to get active, stay fit, or improve their health. Classes are available five days a week and open to all age groups. Visit nyrr.org run slash Striders for more info. If you're interested in fundraising for our youth programs and having Asteria as one of your amazing coaches, visit runwithtfk.org. Lastly, March is the final month of our Rising New York Roadrunners Holiday Hoopla Virtual Challenge, which includes 20 activities connected to 20 national holidays and 20 Women's History Month facts. This month's virtual race is the virtual United Airlines Times Square Youth Run, featuring a guided 5K run from the 2019 United Airlines NYC half winner, Daniel Romanchuk. Distances include 1 mile, 1.5 miles, and 5K, so grab your young walkers, runners, and wheelchair racers to participate until March 21st. For updates on virtual events, visit nyrr.org youth and check the races and events page. Thank you to our team who helped make this show happen. Executive producer, John Phillips. Our episode today was produced by Anique Lamar, and our engineer and editor was Craig Gorbanoff. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you soon. It gets me on my feet